Blog Talk Radio. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice. Hi, welcome to the Kudzu Vine for March 11th, 2018. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Joining me as always, welcome Catherine Smith. Greetings from Atlanta. And welcome Tim Shiflett. Good evening, sir. Yes, well, um, just to kind of set the show up tonight, here in about 20 minutes, uh, Robin Biro will join us for multiple times Robin's come on. He's on a lot of different channels, but does a lot of work on Fox News and Fox Business News as a Democratic contributor. So uh, uh, Robin is definitely on the front lines. So we're going to have Robin come on and talk a lot, a lot about the issues of the day, some issues that he really doesn't get to talk about as much as he'd like since he doesn't always set the schedule or the topics over there. Um, but that'll be up in just a little bit. But last night there was a rally in Moon, Pennsylvania, Moon Township. Never heard of Moon, Pennsylvania, but it is in, I believe, uh, Pennsylvania's 18th district that's having a special election for Congress on Tuesday. And he was there to campaign for Rick Saccone. But if you looked at uh, notes and blurbs from the speech, you'd never know that he was campaigning from Rick Saccone. I guess he said his name, Tim, but but they sure didn't have a lot of clips of him talking about Rick Saccone, did they? Not really. He he mentioned him a little bit. He said, you know, I, I won I won easy, but this guy should so this guy should win easy. I don't want to put the pressure on you there, Rick. Uh, from what I could read, he uh, actually made about five minutes on script. Well, the problem with that was the speech was 75 minutes, and then he just went off the rails, and we'll get into that in a minute. At one point, um, I was watching some of this live, turning back and forth between it and the ball game. He was he actually handed, here you talk, handed the, the microphone to Saccone. Well, who was not expecting it, of course, and, and it just, it just went off the rails, like like I said. We'll get into in a minute. So it wasn't much about Saccone, though. Yeah, there was a, a lot of different crazy things he got into. Probably the one that's gotten the most attention, and you know, Trump said much worse during rallies. But he, for some reason, he attacked um, Chuck Todd, a host of Meet the Press. I really, Chuck Todd to me is not the most attackable. Um, news host, even if you're from the right, uh, but he he called him sleepy-eyed, which uh, I mean that has nothing to do with how he presents himself as far as politics goes. Um, Catherine, what in the world makes Trump do this, where he just insults people? Uh, I mean, it's I can't think of another president, uh, or president or presidential candidate of any real merit that just insulted person after person just with no um, justification whatsoever. Well, I can't think of a public figure aside from, you know, Howard Stern, who does this kind of, who talks this way about people. Um, but let's just be clear. He didn't call him a, he, he called him a sleepy eyed SOB. Yes. He well, did. You know, <laughs> so, so, yeah, you know, I guess calling that, your mom, that's, that's a whole lot worse. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, like a combination of horrible things, but um, I guess he's mad, and he went on about NBC because he gave them such great ratings with The Apprentice that they shouldn't be so critical of him. I'm sorry, that's not the way news works, Mr. Trump. (laughs) Like, uh, it's not a quid pro quo with, oh, you gave me, you gave us good ratings 10 years ago, so now... We're going to, you know, repay you in kind or something. And so he's just, like like Tim said, he just was off the rails. Just 
you know. David. And 75 minutes is a long time to talk. Yeah, and during that that's speech, probably more I, than the average uh, Trump uh, supporter's attention yeah. span, I would think. Uh, yeah, D- during that speech, I-, I made notes on some of the things he was talking about. He he mentioned like his 2020 campaign slogan, "Make America Great Again" or something like that. I I I, I don't know what he was saying. He he mentioned Todd. Um, he took credit for the Olympics again, by the way, being so. Uh, he mentioned Oprah Winfrey. He mentioned Elizabeth Warren. I think he called her Pocahontas again. He attacked he Bernie did. Sanders. He said Maxine Waters has a low IQ or something like that. Well, he talked about yep. North Korea. He talked about tariffs. He talked about the death penalty for drug dealers. He talked about everything practically except the reason he went there to talk. Every time he gets off script, he goes into this disjointed thing. And it just, uh, it, it was, it, it was you know, typical bizarre Trump. <laughs> Yeah, I think actually before the rally, some point this past week, they asked him about this election, and he says, you know, I hear that Connor Lamb's a good-looking guy, not as handsome as me. Um, you know, yeah. most men in their <laughs> 70s realize that they really don't compete in the looks compart- department with most anybody in their, I guess, early 40s, late 30s, whatever it may be. Um, Catherine, is that kind of statement really uh, – underpin how superficial and vain most everything in Trump world is? Well, yeah, yeah. superficial and vain and uh, all about him. I mean, he's a megalomaniac. Yep. I mean, it's all, everything is all about him. The Olympics? Give me a break. What president takes credit for the Olympics? The best thing to say about the Olympics is it's the greatest, you know, joining of, you know, sports um, excellent. You know, I mean, who says it's because of him? It's re- he's ridiculous. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all about. It's always yeah. all about him. Yeah, because I think back in 2014, uh, you know, we may not have done as well as we have in some Winter Olympics, and he attacked President Obama like, you know, president, the president is somehow in charge of the training of the athletes and and all this different stuff. Um, under that thinking, I guess he would be responsible for the U.S. not qualifying for the World Cup, um, which, which is probably a bigger sports profile. Uh, um, but anyway, it's it just bringing this up because, honestly, we've hosted the Olympics under multiple presidents, at both winter and summer, and the president may attend. Like President Clinton came to Atlanta in 96, but it wasn't really – America's games as much as is the city. Now, in a smaller country, it may be more about that country than one city. But, but I mean, that's just something that, as far as an American filter, I don't think we think of the Olympics games if, when Los Angeles hosts them in a few years. It won't be as America's Olympics as much as it will be Los Angeles. Now, the team's America's team, and you root for them, and you can congratulate athletes, but – uh, the vanity to you know think that somehow he would be responsible for South Korea's games. T- Tim, where does he even you know get into this? Uh, well, I mean, that's, that's the way he's always been. Uh, you know, he he is he is the most ego egocentric public figure I think that I have ever seen. Uh, most most of people most of the people that aspire to despotism are are that way. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to compare him to this dictator or that dictator, but that's the way the man is acting. Uh, look at me. I'm the greatest this, that, and the other. And, and, he, and he takes credit for everything as a result. Um, I think that's why people don't last long with him uh, that work for him uh, in the White House because they, they just can't measure up to his greatness. And if they do do something good, uh, God help them if they take some press away from him. Uh, I've never seen anyone like this. 
in in high political office that everything had to be about them. I do not know why people would even enjoy this sort of thing. This is not good theater. This is embarrassing. It's embarrassing in front of the world. It's sickening. Yeah, I think also he talked about um, how the Chinese president, uh, they got rid of term limits, and he may oh, end yeah. up being president mm-hmm. for life. And then he, you know, he said that a week or two ago, and that people mentioned that he said that might be a good idea. And he went to great lengths to talk about how he was joking, although I noticed when he said, I could be president for life, the crowd erupted. And they loved oh, that God. idea. They really didn't care for George Washington's president precedent that he tried to set early on or the amendment to the Constitution uh, in the last hundred years where you can only run for two terms. They like the idea of, of Trump uh, for life, which is, shows the scariness of a Trump rally. But, um, you know, they say there's a little bit of truth in every joke, Catherine. I don't think he's all the way joking when he brings this up, do you? Oh, no, I don't think he's all the way joking at all. Not at all. I mean, yeah. I, think he, um, I think he actually thinks that's a good idea. I mean, it's just it's the only crazy thing he brings these things up. Is, the only thing we have going for us is that he he can't really live very long the way he takes care of himself. So. <laughs> Oh, the big Mac. Uh, you hadn't read the medicals, huh? Catherine. <laughs> the, the medical report, the healthiest individual. Um, oh, he's yeah, not yeah. even obese. I mean, since he's been growing, as uh, you know, in his late his uh, late sixties, early seventies, and he's still growing taller. He's a lot healthier. You can give him credit for. Okay. <laughs> Tim, what do you think about this? Uh, you know, this joke he made about being president for life. I agree with you. It's probably half joking and half serious. Don't you think Donald Trump would jump at the chance to be president for life? Why, he would adore the the idea, and what he would then do is set up a system in which he had others do all the work, and he could, you know, enjoy the trappings of the job and the adoration that comes with the job. That That would be his dream come true to cap his lifelong winning streak off. Uh, but in yeah, his mind, he has that. So, Although I don't know that he, he could have others do the job because he can't seem to really uh, staff up the payroll. Um, like this past week, we talked about the White House being in chaos, and he said there's no chaos, great energy. Um, <laughs> I don't know, the power system I'm sure no. is working great. But I don't know if I call it great energy. Um, let's kind of move over to the whole point of the rally. We're going to segue a little faster than Donald Trump did, even though he probably got us off focus there too. But there is a big special election. Democrats have not won one of these Republican-held special elections yet. They've come really close in some districts that they had zero business competing in. However, Democrats have flipped state House, state Senate, and a U.S. Senate seat that were all Republican-held, uh, multiple of the first two, the state-level seats. Um, but now this is a congressional seat, and this looks like the first time. I guess it's time for us to make our predictions. Um, Connor Lamb is running against Rick Saccone. Connor Lamb is, seems to be a top-shelf recruit, uh, military background, um, kind of of the district, seems to fit the district very well. Um Catherine, any predictions on this race? I predict he's, that Lamb's going to win, but it's going to be a late night, like two points, maybe. One okay. to two points. One to two points, okay. And then, of course, we can give our thoughts on this, too. Don't feel like you just have to do a, a bottom-line prediction. Any more thoughts about how the campaign's gone? Well, it just seems like there's a there's some Democratic momentum and um, it's been very tight, and there seems to be a more the I, I don't know about that particular district, but there seems to be more enthusiasm enthusiasm on voting on the Democratic side. So I'm hoping that we have good turnout, and maybe there were some Republicans stay home. Yeah, Tim, your thoughts on this race? Well, you know, Trump won this district by 19 points. That's what he was 
babbling about last night when he said, I won easy, and so uh, you should win easy too, not putting any pressure on you. Uh, Democrats have overperformed in all these races nationwide in, in an average of about 13 points between how well they're doing and what Trump did in the same uh, legislative area or state or whatever, an average of 13 points. You just get that average, you drop down to a six-point race. I believe it is further tightened by the fact that the former um, House member there, Murphy, and, and also Trump, well, they were endorsed by a lot of the unions in that area. Well, this time the unions are going with Lamb, and with them hopefully will come these uh, types of people who say they're Democratic, but who voted uh, for Trump, because obviously we're going to have to get some Trump votes, and I think that's where we'll pick up the extra Trump vote at, is uh, through unions, and, and they're pretty good about getting their people out. Um, all of that being said, not to mention we ran a very good candidate. They ran a very poor one. They've had to pull in a huge amount of outside money to just, you know, even the race up in the mass media. I'm going to go right with Catherine on this, about a two-point win for, uh, for Lamb, uh, we we've uh, we've gotten spoiled now. We won that Senate race like we were talking about before we went on the air, and an actual win is a lot more fun than a close call, isn't it, David? <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of what changed the dynamics. Um, you know, when mm-hmm. we had the Kansas race, the South Carolina race, the Georgia race, when you um, you know caught up thirteen points and you got really mm-hmm. close in a district that, you know, four years ago wouldn't even have filled it a candidate. You There was a Pyrrhic victory that you could take some solace in. It meant something. But once we swept on Election Day 2017 in Virginia, New Jersey, and other places, and then in Alabama, which, you know, is in the conversation for the most Republican state, Doug Jones won. At that point, the only win in these things is a real one. You have to get more votes. You have to get, you know, 50 plus one, or if there's no runoff, more votes to get the plurality. I mean, you have to get the win. I, I tell you what, I was thinking, and I'm going to stay with it, but I will tell you the one little thing I think could change this. I think Connor Lamb's going to win by five or more points. I think he's got the wind is at mm-hmm. his back. He's going to push through. The one thing that, I, that does cause me pause is these tariffs – this is an area where that where that community knows about steel, good or bad. They depend on it. It's outside Pittsburgh. Um, and so, you know, some of the coal mines, steel mines are in that area. And some of the tariff talk may resonate, although I think, Tim, I think you're right. The unions being on the side of Connor Lamb is going to help him. But I think he's going to win by five or more points. I've noticed – they're really not talking about the economy. They're not talking about the tariffs. They're talking about guns. But then when Connor Lamb's whole background is military, it's kind of been shown. Even last year when um, uh, Republicans were able to defeat um, the candidate, I believe it was for, it was for Senate, um, that was had a military background that came out for some gun control measures. Um, his name escapes me, but he, I've never seen a loser have such momentum out of a loss. But anytime you attack a military guy on guns, it seems to kind of fall flat, and it doesn't resonate. So it's kind of a strange attack for the Republicans to use. Um, have y'all did y'all notice that they said that most of the closing arguments for Rick Sacone were on guns? The outside money's about guns, and do y'all think that's a, a very smart tactic to use? One on the candidate, and two in the time we are right now after the high school shooting in Florida. Catherine? Um, that's hard. You know, I think there's um, a lot of um, momentum on both sides about guns. I think there's a lot of people who feel, who are gun supporters, who feel threatened by 
all this conversation. And then there's a lot of people who there's a lot of momentum for, you know, some kind of control on guns, some kind of whether it's the assault weapons or the age bans or what, there's a lot of momentum on both sides. So I think um, I'm just not sure how well that's going to play. I don't, I don't, I'm not that familiar with that district as far as guns go, but I do agree with Tim that, and and you agreed also that the unions are going to make a big difference if they put all their muscle behind this. So hopefully whatever happens with the guns will be balanced by the support from the unions. Yeah, Tim, have you heard that the closing arguments for Rick Saccone have been on guns, and, and what do you make of that strategy tactically for the Republicans? I, 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 I think it'll fall a little flat because, one thing, Lamb is not a candidate who's calling for a great deal of gun control or, or, or anything like that. He's a uh, pretty centrist candidate. And another thing uh, I think that's hurting Saccone even worse is he is saying, I was Trump before Trump was Trump. He is running as a Trump hardliner in a district where the education level is about like Karen Handel's district. See what problems you can have with doing something like that? That's not exactly the way you would want to play it, I don't think. It might work out okay, but um, we'll we'll just see. Yeah, I I do think that district's a little bit different. It has two things kind of Mm -hmm. working for it. Uh, one, it does have the suburbs of Pittsburgh, which that's probably not yep. the most friendly Trump territory. And then also, no. I, I, there's a show on called uh, Friday Night Tykes Steel Town, and it, t- it looks a lot of these towns and their youth football programs. And, and Aliquippa, Bill Clinton actually did a rally there last time, and they have an African-American mayor. Some of these cities like Beaver Falls, like Aliquippa, um, which I believe are both in this district from what I've heard, um, they have African-American populations, so it's not uh, this lily-white rural area either. So um, that changes the complexion. Well, let's right. kind of switch over uh, and move on to our guest, and we want to welcome back to the Kudzu Vine, Robin Biro. Welcome, Robin. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity, guys. Yeah, thank you for calling in and, and giving us a second there to kind of finish up our predictions of the special election Tuesday. Um, But I know that you've been on Fox News a lot, and you've been talking about what they want you to talk about. And it seems like every time there'll be some more news in the Mueller investigation, there'll be something about (laughs) Stormy Daniels. There'll be something um, about how there's rifts in the Republican Party about the tariffs um, or, you know, uh, different Republicans and including Trump come out with some support of gun control measures. They want to change the topic, particularly folks like Sean Hannity. And I know you may not yes. be on his show, but you're on a lot of Fox programming. No, and he kind of is – he's one of the influencers, I'm sure, of what drives uh, Fox programming. And they want to talk about Hillary Clinton. Now, yes, indeed. Hillary Clinton lost. She She's really gotten a lot of hiking in, and I'm sure she's doing other things and enjoying life, being a grandmother. But she's not – the leader of the free world and the epicenter of um, political life in the world like she would have been had the outcome been different a year and a half ago. Um, Why does Fox News think that, or in your opinion, and don't get yourself in trouble, but why do you think they think she's such a good focal point to distract from whatever the Trump administration is doing? Because I can I can answer that uh, in, in a two two different parts. First, they need a villain, and she's the perfect villain for them. Uh, she's been villainized for more than twenty five years by by uh, conservative media, so she's literally the perfect villain. But it also comes down to uh, a, a word that some people are only now getting used to, and that is whataboutism. Um, anytime that somebody's starting to talk. To, to, to talk despairingly about Donald Trump and make too much sense, uh, and it hits a little too close to home where it hurts, um, or if, if he himself embarrasses 
himself or the Republican Party or the presidency, frankly. Um, the top, it's basically an old Soviet Union tactic called whataboutism. It's instead of talking about Donald Trump's failures, let's talk about Hillary Clinton. What would it have been like had Hillary won? Well, you know, you bring up this point about Donald Trump, but my goodness, what if Hillary had won? So that's basically the the mantra and why you see that so often. I've been on Fox. I've I've done more than 300 live shots uh, with Fox News, and it's it's very common for them to deflect and use that tactic of whataboutism to try and bring up Hillary, even though she has no bearing on anything right now. And, uh, you know, she's basically enjoying her life as a, a regular citizen. So that answers that question. Well, and, I, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about my background. I know we've talked about it on some other kudzu vines, but I used to do a little consulting for World Championship Wrestling, have always followed wrestling. And the whole thing is you have a good guy and a bad guy. And, and in Fox World, right. you know, Donald Trump's the good guy. The Republicans are the good guy. Okay, so we're going to use that as our filter, so just kind of letting everybody know. So back in the 80s, Hulk Hogan was the big good guy, and they had to feed him bad guys. Well, they'd feed him a bad guy. They'd do something to make that person seem credible, like a credible threat to Hulk Hogan. He'd pin him. He'd pin him again. He'd pin him about a third time on big shows. And that person was no longer somebody who was seen as credible. Well, Hillary Clinton lost in 2008. She lost in 2016. I just don't think she's a credible bad guy from them, and I think they need to take a, a page from the wrestling world and realize they got to get a new one. One problem is I don't think there's a, a good bad guy when they're doing all the cheating because that's what bad guys do, so they may have to look in the mirror to find their bad guy, and I know that may blow their mind. Um, let me get on to a related topic, and then we'll pass over to Tim and Catherine to get you to let you talk about all kind of stuff that you may not get to talk about as much as you want. But right. <laughs> the, the viewer, and this is what I worry about. If they programmed whatever they wanted to program and nobody ever watched it and it made them happy, I wouldn't worry. But I do know there's uh, you know, millions of Americans that this is their only news source. And I actually exactly. want to have hope and faith and belief that these people deserve relevant news so they can make informed decisions about their voting for our democracy. And they're not getting that information. Um, how damaging do you think this is? I heard President Obama say, or he quoted da Daniel Moynihan, you can have your own opinions, but you can't have your own set of facts. Well, Fox News, in my opinion, has kind of changed that. Indeed. Uh, you know, and it's not it, – it's that's part of why I enjoy doing what I do uh, and being one of the only Democratic voices there because I feel like my voice is one of perhaps the only times that they're going to hear uh, – an unbiased, unfiltered truth, uh, and I, I get concerned at the disinformation and misinformation that's disseminated. Um, you know, I hear just like I did on your program uh, when I when I'm in the chair about to do a live shot. I hear what the candidate or what the candidate or the guest before me is saying, and so much of it's just completely not true. Uh, so I do my best to, to correct the misinformation, but it's definitely very concerning to know that millions and millions of Americans uh, – you're exactly right. This is their, their one news. They've been programmed to believe that this is the only news that they can be tr – that they trust. Um, and so if I say something they don't like, that's why I'm often personally attacked. I get death threats. I've been sent anthrax in the mail. Um, and it's it's because I I say a truth that might that they might not like to hear, but that needs to be heard. Um, so you know you're correct. I am I am legitimately concerned, especially you know this is another concern I have is that this is in some ways the only way Donald Trump himself gets his news is from watching so much Fox News himself. Uh, and I have concerns because they they control the narrative. Uh, and then he uses – he watches their programs in the morning specifically and then lays out the legislative agenda for the day based off of what they're driving uh, on the network as the trending news topics. And it may be completely something that's not related to what's actually happening in the world right now. It's what they want to drive the narrative. If, if they want to talk about Fusion GPS and Hillary Clinton, something that nobody else cares about – 
They will do so if it takes away from a topic that makes Donald Trump look bad. Yes. Well, um, I don't know what Tim and Kathy are going to pick out to ask. Ethan, they don't ask about I may be feeling. They may talk about something that would make him look bad. So I'm going to give it to Catherine and let her pick. <laughs> Catherine? Okay. Hi, Robin. How's it going? Have, hey, have Catherine. Great. How about time? yourself? Good, yeah, I know. Good. It's good to be on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what do you think? Is there Pardon something? Me? I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, now I can. Do, do you think the Stormy Daniels thing is going to be the thing that people finally say, okay, that's enough? I mean, we, we've been talking about this for a few weeks. And it just sure. seems like it won't it won't it won't end. But I mean you have a better feeling for like that Fox viewer. Do you think this yes, is the course. kind of thing that will that will I mean I don't I'm not saying it's gonna end his presidency, but is this the thing that may might start people questioning his um ability to perform as president? I think it's gonna peel away some evangelicals, uh specifically and you know, because they they came at Bill Clinton so hardcore uh, for his sex scandal, uh, and so they can't. And at the same point now, um, congratulate and cheer on Donald Trump for also being uh, adulterous. Uh, and they can't. You can't give a pass to one and then not the other. So I think it's going to peel away some of the evangelicals, but there's still going to be people who are giving him attaboys and say, well, hey, you know, I would have done that too. Good for him. Just as you see every day. I mean, you hear just today, I believe, uh, Donald Trump was calling um, Chuck Todd a, a sleeping SOB, but he used the expletive. Uh, and you know, you, there were I'm sure there were evangelicals in the audience who were cheering that on. So he keeps, no matter how low the bar gets for him, there's always a new low, and there's always people who will still give him a pass, even if they are are Christ believing evangelicals that worship in church every Sunday. They will still think that he is a man of God. And that he can do no wrong, and he, for some reason, will still get a pass. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I wish it were. I wish there were something um, that would come out. I just don't know what it would be, Catherine. Yeah, I, I, we we talk about this all the time. What would it be? So, let me just ask you this: So, if we, if he does, uh, if we do peel away some evangelicals on, um, like Stormy Daniels or some other kind of, you know sex or you know uh really it, what 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 evangelicals might think of as immoral activity right um do, what do we do to attract them can we attract them can we move them over to the democratic side is there a way to do that uh, there is, but we have to we have to be more clear with our message, and that's what I've been saying over and over again is that uh, while I appreciate the, the resistance movement, we can't we can't just be that. We have to give them a viable alternative and explain what we are, what our agenda is, how we are different. Um, we have to have a clear defining message uh, to attract the people that are peeling peeling away, and there are. Um, I'm I'm sure that we're going to see a blue wave in 2018. I have no doubt about it. Um, but we we to be ensure that we have got to work on our messaging, uh, and to some extent the DNC shares some of this responsibility. Um, if you go to their website right now, Democrats.org, I believe it still says on there that Donna Brazil is the, is the chairperson. Uh, and until I said so on national news, uh, it said that Barack Obama was the president. Um, so you know, Democrats, we've got to do better at our messaging. Our, our digital media specifically, and you know, every time they call and ask for my money, which is every single day without fail, I remind them that until they update that website, I'm not giving them any more money. Um, so we've got to just do better. We've got to work harder, and we, we've got to give them a message that will attract those people uh, because, you know, like I said, while I appreciate the resistance movement, it's not sustainable. Well, I think it has to, I think, and I think they're making, there's motion in that movement to go more towards, um, you know, working in 
in electoral politics, not necessarily running for election and not necessarily um, siding with a party, but working on voter registration, working on voter yes. engagement. There seems to be uh, motion in that area, which I think is good. I mean, I think it's a logical next step. But um, I appreciate your comments, and now I'm going to pass it on to Tim. Thank you for being on. Sure thing. Good evening, sir. How are you hey, today? Tim. I'm terrific. Thank you uh, for having me on. Okay, you mentioned a possible blue wave developing, and I certainly agree with you and, and hope we're both right. You appear on Fox, especially, with many top Republicans, top-tier Republicans. Um, What is their level of concern with regard to the midterms? Uh, They are very concerned to the extent that they're trying to prevent special elections all across the country, and there are several seats in several states right now where there's no representation because they know they've got a problem and they know what's coming. So uh, as is so typical for Republicans, they're obstructing and blocking the public from being able to elect representatives because they are concerned that they're going to lose the seat. Uh, it's, it's, of course, not the right thing to do, but I don't trust them to ever do what's right. Mm-hmm. And is the general feeling uh, – I, I know it is a lot among us, but among them – that anger directed at Donald Trump is what is actually driving increased Democratic enthusiasm about voting this year, or do they think it's something else? Uh, you know, there's so many different uh, opinions on this. Um, the, the people more on our side, on the left, of course, would, would assert that it's uh, you know, against Donald Trump. Um, mm-hmm. From Republicans – they're they're basically still saying that uh, it's people are frustrated with Obama. They'll uh, forever and and decades <laughs> will blame Obama. You know this. Um, so mm-hmm. you know they're gonna they're going to chalk it up. If there are losses, they will still chalk it up. I guarantee you to uh, something. They'll blame Obama. It's always going to be his fault, mm-hmm. uh, even if it rests squarely on their shoulders. They will forever blame him, just as they do with Hillary Clinton. It's the same whataboutism type thing. It's, you know, well, this and, is all Obama's fault. And one more question about the midterms. Uh, they have consistently used Nancy Pelosi as their go-to <laughs> villain in these midterm yes. elections. You better be careful, folks, or you know who is going to be uh, – Speaker of the House again, and then they'll wink and say something about San Francisco Democrats. But right. is that argument falling a little flat this year in their talking points about Nancy Pelosi being the villain? It's finally, I think, falling on deaf ears. They've said it enough that I think it's, it's, people are tired of hearing that, that drumbeat. Uh, and, you know, she's been villainized so much that uh, it's it's just repetitive. It just goes in one ear and out the other. Um, they can still use her as the villain forever. I mean, you saw John Ossoff never even shared a room with Nancy Pelosi, but was labeled a Pelosi Democrat in uh, all of their mm-hmm. attack ads in Georgia. Uh, and, it, and that worked effectively, but I don't think it's going to have the same effect going forward than it may have at that point. Because you can't label every single Democrat that runs every single time as being a Pelosi Democrat. Um, eventually, it's going to come out that, like John Ossoff, that they never shared a room together. Uh, they were never <laughs> in the same space. They were never in the same space physically ever once together. So, you know, mm-hmm. how can he, how can he be a Pelosi Democrat just because he's a Democrat? Um, so, uh, but you know, they'd love to attack her. Uh, and say that she's out of touch because she's from California. Um, they talk about, you know, Jeff Sessions was just saying this last week that California um, is talking, has, still has a, a call to secede from the union, and that that won't happen. I mean, they say these crazy that would never in a million years happen, but in the the, the for the Fox viewer, they do perceive that to be somewhat of a reality. So that's my concern, Tim. Mm-hmm. I wanted to. Uh turn and ask one more question because it involved what happened in the state to the south of us um, and then I'll send it back to David but but many have stated um, 
recently that the lady shooting in Florida represents something of a turning point in this country in the discussion about firearms. I personally am skeptical having heard this after other tragedies like this going back several years. Um, where, where, where are you on this right now, Robin? Uh, I share how do you skepticism. feel this is going? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I actually share your skepticism on this, Tim, because every single time there's a tragedy, it's always labeled as a turning point. Um, now, what's mm-hmm. different about this time, though, is that the movement is being driven by the uh, the teenagers themselves uh, who are mm-hmm. marching on Washington, who are who, who are uh, going on national news, and they're the ones that are fed up. So if there's if I have any hope that we're going to see change, it's I. I believe it will be because it's their voices and not just voices from the left that will be dismissed. Um, But Mm -hmm. I think they may listen to our nation's youth. I know that they're not listening to me, Um, but Mm -hmm. I think they would pay attention to the actual victims themselves uh, who are in this case were young adults. Um, And, you know, you saw them with Marco Rubio. I think some of what they said to him at that town hall had more Mm -hmm. damaging effect than I think anything that I've seen in recent history um, because of of who it was specifically saying it. So I I share your skepticism. Um, I don't want to be cynical, though. I think that we may see some changes. Uh, You know, they're talking about at least I'm surprised. I was surprised when Donald Trump came out against bump stops. Um, uh-huh. And uh, and that there's talk about maybe limiting uh, uh, large magazine ammo, uh, some stuff like that that I never thought that I would hear a Republican say. So I'm I'm shocked, uh, and I'm I'm encouraged somewhat that we may see some changes in regulation. Uh, I don't think that we'll see an, a, a ban on uh, assault rifles or anything like that, but I do think that that. Uh, We'll see some changes like, you know, bump stocks and the number of magazines, uh, high round carrying magazines, that type of thing. So uh, there's plenty of – we've also – to the the larger issue has to do with the, the background check system, though, um, and I'm not hearing enough candidates talk about – or, uh, excuse me, um, elected officials talk about the uh, the – the problem with the FBI background check system, they're so understaffed right now uh, that there's a lot of room for improvement in that system, and I'm concerned that I'm just not hearing our elected officials that as much. We need, we need more funding for the FBI and uh, some, some revamp on the, their systems. Yeah, and unfortunately, we presently have a president who is in full attack mode against yes. uh, the FBI, so we shouldn't expect any uh, help from Pennsylvania Avenue in that regard. And no, with it, I'm, I'm going to exactly. send it back over to David. David? Okay. Yes. Well, Robin, uh, one issue that has actually seems to have created a little bit of a rift in the Republican Party, more so than the guns, um, Tim asked about, is the tariffs. A lot of Republican leaders like Paul Ryan are very and Rand economic libertarians, probably not comfortable with some of the populism of Trump's rhetoric, and they're talking about actually bucking Trump completely on this, stopping it, whether it's in the House and or the Senate. Um, if this were to happen and there were to be a you know true break on an issue that Donald Trump and his base uh, seemingly care so deeply about, uh, what does that do to the Republicans moving forward? That's going to be very damaging, uh, and you're right, David. I've seen that too. There, there are many Republicans coming out against this. Uh, the tariffs are going to cost corporate profits in excess of ten billion dollars of of losses. Uh, so I, I can appreciate the simplicity of Donald Trump's nationalistic message that that we need to be using American steel, but he fails to see the fact that it's actually going to damage American companies by implementing these tariffs uh, and damage our relations with with some of our allies, uh, namely Canada, where we get a lot of our steel from. Um, So, you know, it's going to peel away a good chunk of the Republican base that may have been slow to uh, 
join his movement specifically. They may have been slow to get on board with him. And I think now they're going to start to peel away because of this issue alone. Just like you said, the more economically libertarian-minded Republicans um, are going to be upset at the losses to American corporations. So I think that's definitely coming. Yes, because I really don't know if the tariffs actually happen if the Republicans stop them. And then, of course, Trump didn't get what he wants, and he's pretty used to getting his way. Um, Another (laughs) issue that come back up is North Korea and this past week it was talked about there may be a face-to-face meeting between Kim Jong-un and um, Donald Trump and uh, and there's been a lot of thought like why is this happening I have my own theory and I'm going to give it to you but then you can tell me why you think it's happening and what do you think might come out of it or if it occur I think Donald Trump is so excited about the photo op because he's probably learned how tall he is and he's not near as tall as Donald Trump, even the actual height, not the inflated um, physical height to keep him at his BMI low enough yes. to be not obese. Um, <laughs> but he's, he's thinking, oh, man, I'm going to look so powerful next to this guy that's probably you know, a head shorter than me. Uh, that's why yes. I think he wants the meeting. It's just for the picture, which is just shows, once again, harkening back to something we talked about earlier in the show, vanity and superficiality. Um, what do you think is the reason that he wants this meeting? David, I'm so glad to hear somebody else say that other than me because I feel like I'm the crazy one when I, anytime I say this. <laughs> I said this about Director Comey because I had inside advice uh, from someone who was working inside the White House and no longer is that the reason, one of the reasons that, that Comey was fired was because he was a full six foot eight. Donald Trump, <laughs> I believe, six one, uh, and Trump said immediately that he didn't like how tall he was, um, and that that he was he had his head on the chopping block from the get go because he was intimidated, and he always likes to be the tallest person in the room. Um, so I, I do see your point. I think that that he's looking at this from from a point of optics. Uh, he's looking for that photo opportunity. He's looking to say that he solved something that was unsolvable, even if it's not true at all. He will still claim that he solved some completely unsolvable problem and did some great feat, uh, even though, like I said, it may be completely uh, lacking in any kind of truth. Um, but I, I love I loved to hear someone other than me say that <laughs> about the high. Well, and, and saying that he wants to be the tallest one in the room, a lot of people consider him a clown. There's pictures going around. With the White House having a big top, they talk about the orange skin. A lot of clowns wear stilts. So free piece of advice, if you want to be the tallest one in the room, wear some stilts. And then, of course, others might think you're doing it for other reasons. Um, Robin, always great to have you on. So insightful. Thank and you, you keep up the good fight. Uh, really, I, I guess, Thanks, almost God. seemingly every day on Fox News. Behind Fox enemy lines. <laughs> Behind enemy lines, yep. yeah, no, just about every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks again. All right, Thank guys. you, I, sir. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. Thank you. Sure thing. Y'all take care. Bye. Thanks. And Robin Biro, um, you can follow him on Twitter, Facebook. Does a lot of posts on Facebook. Actually, a lot of times before he'll go on, he'll tell you what he's going to talk about and even take suggestions and ideas of talking points. Very um, internet savvy uh, thinking of you know getting more of a, a group collective uh, input. So uh, follow him on Facebook and Twitter, and and when you hear he's going to be on, it's always good for maybe five minutes or ten, as much as you can stomach. Um, take your uh, Pepto Bismol and to watch a little Fox News to actually see what the other side's seeing, so you can kind of look through that funhouse mirror and get an idea of how distorted it may be. Because in a democracy, it does matter what the other side's thinking, even if it's wrong. Um, Well, something we talked about with uh, Robin, but we haven't talked about, and I think it's something that we're kind of forced to just because it it won't go away, even though I'm sure any images from it we would love to go away, and that would be uh, the Stormy Daniels. um, And I'll call it a fair, and I don't mean the actions that may have happened way back when. I mean the fact that we're hearing about non-disclosure agreements and she's coming out with this piece of information 
and there's going to be this interview and there's denials on the other side and, and all this other stuff. Um, Catherine, um, what do you make of this whole thing with Stormy Daniels and Donald Trump back uh, really not too long ago in the, in the recent past? Well, I think it's um, kind of a interesting story, uh, mainly because he seems to have, like, the worst attorney. <laughs> you know, there's the one attorney who paid the 100 and whatever, $30,000. $140,000. $140,000. Yeah. Um, he says he paid it without, you know, Trump's knowledge and – he paid it with his own money. Well, it turns out he actually, I can't remember what the story was, but the money was not very clean, I guess is the way to say well, it. Well, I think he took out and, a home equity loan, is what I heard. Yeah, he took out a home equity loan to pay yeah. this, you know, porn star. Um, and then Trump never signed the non-disclosure agreement. Well, everyone knows that a contract isn't a contract until it's fully executed. I mean, I know that. And I'm not a lawyer. I don't make, you know, whatever, how much ever he pays those lawyers. So it just seems like, I don't know if it's just um, that he just doesn't think the rules apply to him, so it doesn't matter, or if they're, if he's just getting bad advice. I don't understand it. Um, but that's to me, that seems to be one of the big um, indicators is that he's just got stupid, he gets stupid advice or he doesn't take um, good advice that he gets. Well, well, Tim, based on what we've heard about Trump's uh, record of paying bills, there's an old saying, you get what you pay for, and the fact that there may be such a reputation in New York that he actually stiffs so many people, he may not be having the best lawyers um, well, that's because the, <laughs> the best lawyers want to get paid. Tim, what's your thoughts uh, on this whole thing? Well, um, speaking of lawyers, uh, they're trying a new tack. Uh, you know, uh, Anderson Cooper interviewed Stormy Daniels for 60 Minutes. It's not airing tonight. It's going to air in the future sometime. Um, Trump's lawyers are trying to stop that segment from being aired at all. I guess they're going to say she is uh, violating the hush agreement that they have or whatever, uh, that if she even mentions it, she's in violation of it. And, and, and of course, I'm sure 60 Minutes is not impressed by the whole thing and will show it un, un, unless the court system for some reason stops them. Um she is suing Trump over that very hush, same yeah. hush agreement because he didn't sign it. There was a, I forgot the name that was listed there that was printed out there. And she said, well, that's an alias that Trump uses. And and he didn't sign it. His lawyer did, she did, he didn't. And she's suing him um, uh, over that. The thing is, this does not seem to be going away. Um, Maxine Waters, who, who Trump just detests, he says something about every chance he gets. But she, she said uh, in an interview uh, with MSNBC uh, this morning, as a matter of fact, that if uh, Mueller doesn't get Trump, then Stormy Daniels will. Um, and she said it's not going away, and it's not going away. Um, so that that that's where we at. But I want to say something about our friends on the other side. They are they are uh, so whiny about this whole thing. They're hypocritical. You remember how they treated Clinton over over uh, over a whole lot less than what's going on now, but all of a sudden, no, we don't want to talk about the president in this way, do we? Uh, sorry, guys, you can't have your cake and eat it too, right? Yeah, consistency is something that I could respect either way on this. If, right. if someone you know, said that they were repulsed by what happened in the late 80s, 
I'm sorry, late 90s, and they're repulsed by this today, fine. If somebody said, oh, well, it shouldn't matter, and it shouldn't matter now, um, fine. And so just well, be consistent on it well, uh, would be what I would think. Like? Now, I'm sure it, people it could point out like, differences in both situations. It, it looks like it's okay to list their guy get hit, right? Yeah, I, I think it has a lot to do. The worst sin you can do is you can be a Democrat. I mean, I think that's <laughs> a lot of Republicans and some evangelical voters' eyes that that's the worst. It's not murder, adultery, lying, rape. Uh, theft, it's being a Democrat. I mean, that's that's the unpardonable sin, and that's a very sad state of affairs, and that's not how you have a democracy when you can't be a righteous or, or valuable person if you belong to one political party or the other. Um, you just that, That's just not functional. Um, speaking of a one-party system, last topic, I don't think we can spend a lot of time, and we may know more about next week anyway, but it appears Utah and Utah Republicans have gotten themselves in quite a fix. Um, there is a convention <laughs> system, and then there's a signature system, and apparently in the past you could go through the convention. You wouldn't have to gather a lot of signatures, and I know that's a cumbersome process, but if you're going to run a sophisticated campaign, you hire somebody, you get it done. Um, so now they're saying that the convention process may not put you on the ballot anymore, and there's a decent chance that a whole host of Republicans, including Mitt Romney, um, speaking of a, a political candidate that might could actually take credit for an Olympics. I'll give him a little credit on his in Salt Lake City. Um, he, they may not be on the ballot, and therefore um, I guess the Democrats don't have this kind of system and so it's just going to be this crazy scramble. Uh, Catherine, you were saying you love it, so I take it you know something about it. So tell us what you know and think. Well, I read the article that you sent, and I just I couldn't stop yeah. laughing. <laughs> so essentially <laughs> what they've done is they've said you have to – the Republican Party in Utah has said you have to go through the caucus, the, the convention process. You can't be on the ballot. They've changed their bylaws to say that you can't be on the, on the um, ballot collecting signatures. But the state says you can do one or the other or both. And so there's, it's just hilarious that they're making these rules. I, I just, you know, this is not uncommon on the Republican side. They love to, like, make these pronouncements and pass legislation. I mean, Mississippi did this week on an abortion law. That's a, clearly against the law, but they but they think it's okay because they they passed it, and then then they fight it in the courts. I guess they'll fight it fight this in the courts. But in the meantime, it's time for qualifying in Utah. And the 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 quote was from one of the party leaders was they're getting tons of phone calls like, "What do I do? Can I qualify or not?" And uh, I mean, and they're sticking to their guns. The leadership is sticking to their guns, so they may not have any Republicans, well, they may not have as many Republicans, they'll probably have some, but not as many Republicans running in Utah this year because of these ridiculous changes that they made without looking at the ramifications of it. Um, yeah, Tim? Uh, <laughs> well, I got I got some great questions here. Well, first of all, what would they run as? You know they're going to run. Would they run as independents? And, and now think about this for a second. Let's say everybody holds serve in the Senate except the Democrats pick up um, one seat. We're 50-50. I don't think he would ever do this in a million years. But if Mitt Romney is elected as, a Dem as an independent, why, he could uh, – he could go up there and caucus with the, the Democrats like the other independents do. Guess what that would do? It would effectively give control of the U.S. Senate to the Democrats. Uh, can can you see anything better than that happening that would just <laughs> blow the top of Donald Trump's head completely off of his shoulders, David? <laughs> Well, I mean, I would see a better scenario, and that would be winning several more seats and taking it outright, yeah. but that would be a sweet revenge, especially after we heard that apparently there's rumors that the Russians said no to Mitt Romney 
as um, uh-huh. Secretary of State. So um, uh-huh. the whole frog leg dinner might have been a complete sham if they knew that he couldn't have been Secretary well, of State because the Russians wouldn't have had him, which is well, one so of the what, scariest. What are these guys going to run of Russian information we've heard out there? Yeah, what are I these know, guys going to run as? And the Democrats uh-huh. could offer him, and, and actually the Republicans could offer him too. He could become a committee chair as a first-term freshman, um, uh-huh. you know, junior senator. He could, you know, he could be offered something um, really high-ranking. Yes, uh, Orrin Hatch is the head of one of the which uh, committees? He the head of? Um, he's the head of one of the committees right now. He could keep that seat as a, a brand new senator. Uh, something you know, really play this to his favor. If he was in such a power position, um, it'll be interesting to see how all the other races fall out. But, you know, Utah's not a state we considered. It's going to have much news. But since they kind of had the third-party candidate, and his name escapes me, that, um, you know, was supposed to peel off some voters, and it, he ran better in Utah than the other state, but not near well enough. Utah's made more news um, than relative to its size or past history. Um, since mm-hmm. then, and of course, they've got the congressional seat with Mia Love. What happens if she can't qualify and there is no Republican on the ballot? That could be a House seat flip without much work right. um, yep. and, and things like that. So it, it's going to be yet another storyline to watch from a state that we just didn't think we'd have to watch probably um, a year ago. So, yep. well, thanks again for Robin Bureau for coming on. And uh, till next week, in the Kudzu Vine. Good night, Good night guys.